0: My goal at a wedding is to bring back the essence. It's not to bring back what the wedding looked like, but it's what it felt like. So how do I squeeze that essence out of an eight-hour day so that in 30 years, if somebody sees this picture, they can feel that same.
1: This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine.
0: Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olson, with another fascinating conversation.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today we are going into really one of the most universal, one of the most challenging, one of the most, you know, commonplace and yet needs to be extraordinary every time types of photography. We're going into wedding photography and not, the kind of wedding photography you're probably thinking about. We're not going to be talking about pictures of people coming down the aisle or stuffing cake into each other's mouth. Today, we are talking about the the fine art of expressing in photography what a wedding is like, the emotion, the depth, the the, the whole ceremony of of a kind of promise that is essential for all of our lives. In other words, we're talking with John Dolan. John is, without a doubt, the, the most artistic, most interesting, most provocative wedding photographer working these days. His clients, we're talking Will Smith, Kate Bosworth, Gwyneth Paltrow, advertising clients, little companies like American Express and Bloomingdale's and and Tiffany. Uh, I mean, this is the kind of resume that we all dream of. His editorial work has been in Martha Stewart Living, The New Yorker, Travel and Leisure, Vogue, uh, you name it. And the reason John's having this success is because he simply sees weddings in a way that is different than most of us. And frankly, from my point of view, true. I mean, he's getting at the heart of what's going on here. John, welcome. Thank you for joining us today.
0: That's a very kind introduction, Scott. I appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks for inviting me to talk about uh, this subject and uh, to dive into it.
1: Well, John, as, as a lot of people out there know, or at least I hope they know, I had the good fortune to review your book, *The Perfect Imperfect*, for Frames Magazine, and I, I got to. This book really struck me as as being insightful and uh, really getting at the heart of what weddings really are, and I love the title. Man, I'm I'm, I'm going to you know betray my background here as as a, a word geek. Because you know the perfect imperfect, which words the noun, which words the adjectives? Is this you know the perfect imperfectness, or is this the perfect made a little imperfect? Uh, which is of course what weddings always are. We plan for the perfect thing, and they never never occur. Give me give me a little bit of background. Let, let, let's go back. You know, m- maybe not to the instamatic with the flash cube, but how how did you get started in photography, and especially with weddings?
0: You know, I think it goes back to uh, being a collector. I think as a child, I was collecting baseball cards, coins, anything, newspaper clippings. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, photography is collecting time. It's collecting moments. I, I was a sports photographer as a kid, high school kid. But I went to a small school in Wisconsin uh, down the road from you, and I had a professor there who took me and opened my eyes to what photographs can the truth behind certain photographs? And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I had such a transformation there that, uh, it just exploded my world. And I think I had a natural talent, but I didn't have a subject. So it wasn't uh, till years later in New York when I was working for Sylvia Plahi, the great photographer, and she sent me to a friend's wedding. And I think it, it was the confluence of, documentary and fashion and family photography all in one place and wedding photography in the 1980s and 90s was a really low low art so I sort of had it all to myself for the early years
1: (laughs) uh well let's go back and say you were a sports photographer and and, which is documentary work but then you said this professor taught you the truth what's the change what was revealed to you
0: You know, he uh, his name was Michael Simon at Beloit College, and he had this methodology of that combined Jung and Zen and and a general art training. But he would he would say, if you're photographing a chair, what's the what is the isness of that chair? So the the, you know, and for a 20 year old sports photographer, my mind was flipping out with you know questions and. He also had a really wonderful way of saying, you're telling me the answer, but you don't even know what the question is when we'd be talking about photographs. So mm-hmm. it, it developed this sort of a way of thinking about photography to stop trying to get the great shot and instead trying to to reveal what is hidden. And there's something that I've that I've seen for the last 30 years at every wedding I go to that there's a lot on the surface, but my hunt at every wedding is for what's hidden and what's just slightly beneath the surface. And it's in some ways, it is a sport. It's when I go to a wedding, it's a live performance. Um, there's no net. If I'm on the high wire, <laughs> there's <laughs> lots of room for me to fail. But when you can see human emotions under this microscope, it's incredibly fascinating. And uh, I would say that's sort of the impetus for the book is to show people who have a certain idea of what wedding photographs are, that there's a lot more going on at, at weddings than people think.
1: Well, I mean, everybody, um, I forgot to mention at the beginning, John Dolan.com is where you need to go. J O H N D O L A N.com. You're going to see a lot of the pictures that we're talking about and you'll see some stuff about the book. Uh, but John, so you, you go to a wedding you don't know these people for decades. I mean, how do you get access to the, the kind of deep emotional current at, at a wedding that is so revealed in your pictures? How do you know how that invisible stuff, how do you know where to look for it?
0: You, you know, it's, it's great we're talking today because I'm coming off of a, a small wedding yesterday. And, the, and I was thinking about it this morning that I enter these weddings completely empty. I kind of, I take a nap sometimes. I, I do whatever little mini meditation just to say to myself, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm a talented enough photographer to let the camera, to not have to worry about the technical stuff as most people are. Camera does 70% of the work. Um, so my job is to to be this vessel for this sort of social experiment of two families coming together and uh, and becoming one. And the American family is such a complex beast that there's never, you know, it's very rare that there's <laughs> four <laughs> parents and, you know, it's the levels of, of complexity are there. And I think it's so easy to overlook all the, the melodrama and the bittersweet and the complexity and just do the surfacey stuff. But I found that I I really go to weddings as a guest and a guest who kind of doesn't know either family. So I'm just getting to know people. And I'm also a fan of detective novels. So it's kind of also like how do I figure out, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the story behind these? And it's, you know, it becomes a really interesting thing. Although I understand when people go to weddings, sometimes it's kind of boring. But as a photographer trying to solve this mystery, it it's kept me uh, busy for 30 years.
1: Well, I mean, John, yeah, I, I got to laugh at the detec- detective stuff because I had not thought of it that way. But the minute you say it, that's spot on. Trying to figure out who these people are and, and what their motivations are and, and you know who, who's got it out for who. <laughs> Well so,
0: well I'll, I'll tell you Scott y- yesterday the groom sat me next to his his father at a table it was a 30 person wedding so I, he just gave uh-huh. me a seat there and his father was a retired homicide detective from Florida and so we <laughs> I missed half shooting half of the wedding because this guy was giving me some <laughs> stories of some really bizarre, gruesome murders in flor in the swamps of Florida. but I talked to him about that same thing of the observational nature of mm-hmm. of crime novels and what a homicide detective sees when they come onto a scene it was it was really interesting to, to meet a real detective um, as opposed to the one I play when I Go to a wedding, but but even that conversation made the photographs better. When I later did a a photograph of him with his son, and uh, so it's. I I mean, I really I take a humanistic approach where I'm I'm not trying to change the flow of the wedding, but I'm also not an objective observer. I'll sit and drink and eat and talk to people and. But I'm always watching the light and watching the action. Right. So right. It's, I'm, I'm embedding, basically, in the wedding and letting it uh, reveal human drama.
1: Oh, that, that is so cool. And I, I got to believe that when people call you and they say, you know, they, they want to hire you, they know, I mean, they're, as, they're inviting you. They're, they're asking for somebody who rewards that kind of access and intimacy. Exactly. So, I mean, do you, do you have any issues where people are saying, why are you taking a picture of this?
0: No, I, and I think the book helps a lot. So I, <laughs> you know, the type A people don't generally call me or they... They know maybe sometimes they hire a second photographer to shoot the details, but the people who hire me are, are visually sophisticated people. They they want a, a photographer at the wedding. They don't want a wedding photographer. So they appreciate that difference. That
1: uh, I love that distinction. I like that distinction a lot. Let, let's talk about just one particular image. Just I'm sitting here. I'm scrolling through your website. And, you know, the, the pictures that make me pause and, and make me grin just ear to ear, you know, of course, are are the accidental ones, the, the ones that have absolutely nothing to do with the kind of artifacts of a wedding. And very early in your portfolios are labeled love and style and family and work. Um, you've got a blog on there. I want to get to the blog big time in a few minutes because I'm a big fan of that. But one of the early ones in the love portfolio is a young girl, oh six, seven years old, who's fallen down behind um, what I'm assuming is the bride because of the dress you sort of see leaving the frame there. Tell me the story of that image.
0: You know, this one blends the, all all the different genres that I do. So this is actually from the 10th anniversary party of uh, a client who's also a wedding dress designer. Uh, okay, so. This was art imitating life. It was we were doing. It was their party, but it was also a fashion shoot. But it was also she has two kids, so, uh-huh. and they sort of renewed their vows. It was, and it was mid-pandemic, so it was all kind of heightened and bizarre. And mm-hmm. I, I thought it was fascinating because the daughter, she was being a th- three-year-old or a four-year-old while we were still doing a fashion shoot and we just carried on and she carried on with it too. And it was all kind of beautiful chaos.
1: Well, I mean, what you captured there, not only the look on her face, you know, that, that sort of dismay of, I've just fallen down, but you look at other elements, the way her hand meets the, the long ribbon going into some flowers, which are then connected to the dress. So there's this whole, these, these themes of connectedness and, and, Um, separateness going on. You've got a kind of non-sequitur with somebody with blue jeans in the background. But I
0: I think it's also a comment on uh, the plans we make for weddings of this kind of magical Disney day. But the Mm -hmm. reality of every wedding is that it's kind of verging on disaster. Or, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I, 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 I don't... I also... I think most of my pictures are fairly small moments. I don't have the picture of the dog eating the the wedding cake, but yeah. I think that I'm really fascinated by expectations and and how we fall short so much as human beings. So I, I've really realized that weddings have taught me to be incredibly non judgmental because you know some weddings people come through in the clutch, some weddings people let each other down. There's just these lessons in poignancy at every wedding, and it just it, – it's all part of the human drama to me. To, to let you in on a secret, I, I would love to be able to write short stories, but I can't – I've never been able to do it, so I photograph. That's,
1: that's the essence. I, I, yeah, I think, I think you're writing wonderful short stories just in images <laughs> instead of words. John, there's a picture later on in the love portfolio. Um, it's a man in a tuxedo. It's a woman in a white gown. Um, some friend of hers has got her face on the woman's uh, shoulder. It is completely blurry and out of focus and absolutely true. A lot of your work tends to have soft focus or um, you know, non-tack-sharp elements to it. And clearly this is intentional. Clearly this is an artistic statement. Tell me what you're getting at with that kind. And and I should admit, it's black and white. Tell me what you're getting at with this aesthetic.
0: You know, I think that if I have the sharp frame next to it and I'm going through my contact sheets, one feels choreographed or prepared or safe and one feels true. So, you know, it's not that I'm uh, I'm taking blurry pictures all day long, it's that a lot of times the blurriness is the result of my emotion while I'm photographing, that I'm not paired, I'm not uh, stopping and freezing and taking the picture in a controlled manner. It's more that mm-hmm. that I'm moved and I'm shooting first and focusing later, that that split-second difference makes all the difference. So it's I, I really feel sometimes that I am... In the photograph, in that blur, that um, the unsharpness or the tilted frame means that mm-hmm. it's live. I learned a lesson one time. I was a set photographer on a reality TV show for one day, and I saw <laughs> the <laughs> just how many times that surprise guest walks through the door. Uh,
1: oh, do yeah. it again. Can you oh, do it yeah.
0: again one more time? <laughs> and it was, you know, it was a great thing to tell my kids that every every reality show you're seeing is a has been done three times so mm-hmm. um I think it's it's if I'm in the flow i am i'm open to these accidents and these moments, and I think a lot of photographers put the camera down right when they should start shooting so uh
1: you know it's yeah a
0: physical act
1: and and I love the fact that you're saying, you know, you are a fully participant um, party or mind or or emotion in these images, because what strikes me about your images is that this and I'm I'm still looking at this one of the kissing couple. You have photographed an emotion. Uh, You you have photographed an act of love here and and friendship with with the third person in the frame much more than you photographed or, or documented. Uh, the happy couple sharing a kiss. Uh, this is an image I would linger over for years. Versus, oh yeah, that—that's when they did such and such.
0: Well, it almost goes back to the the chairness lesson in Beloit. Yep. Of of my my goal at a wedding is to bring back the essence. It's not bre- to bring back what the wedding looked like, but it's what it felt like. So, how do I squeeze that essence out of an eight hour day? So that in thirty years, if somebody sees this picture, they can feel that same moment in the south of France when you know dusk was falling and people were had a little bit of wine in them and they were uh, fully passionate. So it's a i i i have that mantra in my head is how can I? It's almost like I'm a perfumer, perfumier. How do you say it? Uh, trying to. I'm going to go with you, man. <laughs> trying to capture trying to bottle uh, what's in the air that night yep yep
1: um you know looking at your picture i get quite often a kind of 1960s elegance you know jacqueline kennedy feel is is there a guiding sort of period aesthetic in your mind or are you creating something new here
0: you know i i when I teach a, a workshop, I show a history of wedding photography, just kind of my own little personal collection from 1915 on. And the Kennedy wedding does represent this moment. I think they were late 50s, but they had magnificent photographers at their wedding. They had non-wedding photographers there. They had French journalists and and the style of that was so classic, but after that weddings kind of crumbled photographically in the late 60s and 70s were a real low point so i think i shot my first wedding in 84 85 and weddings had 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 just disintegrated to a real i always just compared it to kind of used car salesmen with cameras these guys who were just going through the motions so i i did hearken back to classic timeless Photography. And I think naturally, my pictures have never been edgy. They've always tr- been kind of uh, more classical, I'd say. Um, mm-hmm. But it is an interesting thing of what happened in the 70s. Culturally and photographically, the cameras got smaller, the tuxedos got bluer, and (laughs) the flashes got smaller too. I mean, if you compare the 1950s Ouija flash to the, you know, that little flash bulb on top in the 70s, that was a low point.
1: And, and and to make everybody, you know, aware, you do have some very sharp, full color, joyous images all the way through here, going forward a little bit. I mean, here's Gwyneth Paltrow, lift, you know, toasting or lifting a glass to something. You know, it, it, it's elegant shot and, you know, the kind that that we would not, not expect is the wrong word, but you would recognize that, oh, oh, here's the reception dinner, here's the toast, you know, versus here's an emotion that is really surprising and true at the same time. The book is divided into three acts, and, and I love the fact that you, pu- that you call them acts because, uh, as you mentioned, weddings are performances. Act one is before the main event. Act two is the main event. Act three is the party afterwards. But I got to ask you about the very first image in the book, before the preface, before the table of contents, before, you know, just a, a young woman sitting on a bed with some sunlight you know, coming in. T- tell me the whole history of that shot because it's a brilliant way to start the book.
0: You know, I I think I wanted to send a message from the beginning that this was uh, not what you might expect a, a wedding photograph to be. And I think throughout the book, my goal is to expand the definition of wedding photography because um, I think it's been so narrow, almost. Uh, I've once compared it to sort of soft rock music, most contemporary, a lot of kind of 90s or 2000s wedding photography was just very safe and very sweet and sugar sweet so i wanted to expand that definition and just show beautiful photographs that have a complexity to them so the the first photograph is a woman getting ready but it was a maybe a 20 person wedding so there was you remove all the pressure of the Pre-game preparation Mm -hmm. of a wedding and i love the idea that she's just in deep in thought and not playing for the camera you know it it goes back to classical paintings and you know it's it goes under that category the the less hard i try the better the pictures are and that that moment existed in one frame maybe two frames so that that's that's Mm -hmm. what that picture is
1: is this a setup, though, or did, were you just walking by the door and she happened to be sitting there in that beautiful light?
0: Oh, I didn't. I, I don't set up very much. I don't have that mind. I don't have the director's mind. I'm much mm-hmm. more of a collector. So, I think she was just getting ready to do something, getting her hair ready. And she was a hair, a movie hairstylist, so she did her own, all of her own hair makeup. So, I think I was just struck by that, the isolation of her and the the moment of peace before the chaos or before um, the ritual.
1: Yeah. You, you, you have, as I said before, really unusual access to people's bedrooms and bathrooms and kitchens and, and closets. Do you ever feel like you're imposing?
0: I think that I've learned grace, uh, how to be graceful. I think I've learned a lot at, at all these 350 weddings, but mm-hmm. um it's a, a special access that I've I frequently found myself in a house where the dad's coming out of the shower with a towel around him and and instead of any awkward exchange, he'll just say, Oh, she's down the hall, John. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because I, you know, in the play of a wedding, I have a role. I have a significant role. I'm on stage with the bride and groom as much as anybody. So it's a clearly defined role and it's um that access is absolutely magnificent and i've also found that i'm this neutral party that people can tell me things in a safe way and i'm kind of uh, like a neutral ground (laughs) in electrical Mm -hmm. (laughs) configuration Mm -hmm. uh the ground wire so That that role is fascinating to me. And the older I've gotten, the closer in age I am to the dads. So now I have these conversations (laughs) with these guys saying, you know, you actually like this, the guy she's marrying. And it's, you know, it's it's really interesting. Sometimes they say to me, like, you shouldn't you wouldn't believe the guy she was dating before. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's because it's a blind adoption, basically. Your daughter brings somebody home and, you know, they call you dad.
1: Let's take just a quick break. We hope very much that you are enjoying today's episode. The very fact that you are listening to this podcast suggests that photography means a lot to you. And if that's the case, you might wanna have a look at Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. We truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit readframes.com to find out more about our publication. And now, back to today's conversation. I mean, John, so many of the, these images are kinetic. Um, they, they've got you know, stories within them, short stories within them, but everybody's in the act of doing something. Um, is, is motion important to your vision of this kind of photography?
0: I don't know if it's motion as much as it's, a, it's emotion, and it's, it's also... Uh, a wedding is this kind of rushing river that, can't, from my point of view, I can't stop it. I can't dam the river and make people reconfigure themselves the way I w- want in a picture. So, you know, my my philosophy is that I'm flowing with everybody in the wedding, and the pictures in this book are are moments where I was in flow with them and was able to make this this photograph without you know maybe I'll lead people into good light but that's pretty much the most I'll do to control the situation it's much more interesting to me to let the people reveal themselves rather than for me saying put your hand here or put your heads together
1: yep and and that you know that gets to what I think is remarkable about your work because so many of us are accustomed um, to being at weddings where the photographer will say, "Okay, now the bride's family, everybody stand absolutely still." Now the groom's family, everybody's you know, so it, it loses all of that nature of spontaneity and insight. Although it's a documentary of who attended. Yeah, it's, it's
0: it's interesting to to do the group pictures. And let the family DNA kind of reveal itself, so if it's a very formal family, I lean into that, but I, I I also make it clear to people that wherever they want to go with it, they can go. and I mean, I think there's a historical nature to those group pictures, so I try to do those in a classical way, but also mm-hmm. reinvent it.
1: let's let's switch just a little bit because i mean we could spend a week talking about just your wedding work but that's not all you do and nor is that all that that's on your website tell me about the fashion work you know is that is that categorically different than what you're after with the wedding work it's what what do you bring to that
0: it's interesting because they each inform the other the wedding work Mm -hmm. has trained me to find light really quickly the fashion work is almost like being on vacation because you're dealing with people who really are, they're made to be photographed. So it's, (laughs) but the inverse is that sometimes on fashion shoots, the emotion isn't there and it, it does have to be manufactured or it has to be kind of wound up like a doll. But I I came off of a lifestyle shoot uh, to last week in San Francisco for, for a bank and I realized that as soon as the art director gave me the freedom to shoot in a free way the pictures just soared if if they were if the art director wanted to control it more and and really have a certain stylized view of the scene the pictures looked kind of flat right so you know we took we were shooting a family a multi-generational family at the beach and the art director was busy with something else so I just said Go and they all started <laughs> running, and the grandmother was f- flying like an airplane with the little five year old kid. And so, I'm uh, the cross pollination for me is really key, and it's been key for my whole career. Um, certainly in the 2000s or the 90s, I would shoot 30% weddings, 30% ad work, and 30% editorial. Uh, the editorials okay. dropped off a lot, but Um, now I do more nonprofit work upstate where I live, uh, near Massachusetts. And, um, so it's, it's similar stuff of shooting people as they are and, um, and going for that same essence.
1: John, you know, I, I have seen a thousand blogs from photographers and I have not seen one that is as insightful or as inspiring as yours because you take a completely different approach to the things that you want to talk about uh, in your blog. And everybody, there's a link on the website right to his blog, so it's not tough to find it all. But you begin talking about hats. And the minute I started reading this, I'm thinking, of course, absolutely. It's one of those revelations of I didn't know I knew this kind of (laughs) stuff when when, when you're reading it, which is always an act of genius, I think. But let's just start there. Why, Why do you begin your blog with talking about hats?
0: You know, I think we just—it uh, was actually my daughter's idea to. My daughter's in her twenties, so she's not like a little kid. But um, you know, she knows that I have this massive archive, and she said, "Come at it from this different angle of uh, quirky subjects, either the black tie or just re-edit from the archive because the pictures don't have a date on them necessarily." And I think it's—it's—it's it's, it's finding themes in the work that. I didn't know existed and I think it's a way to try to to use words as well and mm-hmm. uh, and reveal something that I didn't even know myself. So it's I'm glad I appreciate you bringing the blog up cuz I've left it fallow the last year or so but we're we're, we're reinventing it again. So
1: Oh man, you, you got to get back to this cuz you went I mean the one after the hats is about radio stations. And there is no greater lover of radio on the planet than me. Um, I, 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 I did a little bit of work in radio. Every, everything about it is magic. And when you start comparing, you know, stations, you know, on the radio to the way we photograph, I, I, I was a devotee. I'm I'm right there with you. And and you say at the beginning that, you know, you listen to music a lot. Are are you, you know, like me, one of these people, first thing in the morning is the music comes on, last thing at night it goes off, and every moment is informed by that?
0: You know, it goes back to my darkroom days, because I spent a lot of the 90s working in darkrooms, or I'm sorry, even the the 80s I spent in the darkroom as well. And in those days, if you found a good station, it was gold. It was, you know, pre-internet radio and I remember there was a great station in Madison Wisconsin that I'd pick up in a fuzzy way and it was just a revelation. So it it was a perfect thing in the dark to listen to and see, you know, as they say you see things on the radio. So that sort of the storytelling. And now it's maybe it's more podcasts and Sirius XM or something, but I'm still it's I bounce around between classical and classic jazz and rock and new wave and 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 news and podcasts. So it's I, I and I remember my professor at Beloit. He he was hooked with Studs Terkel from WBEZ in Chicago. I think it was. Mm-hmm. And yep. I wish I'd gotten into more of those because that was a radio voice to be remembered.
1: Well, I'm, lo- I'm looking at this and, you know, you're talking how Instagram's probably, you know, devolving down into an easy listening station yeah. and you're, you're looking for something uh, a little bit more. I won't say edgier, but a, a little bit more. And then, you know, y- you have a lovely question. You say, how do we expand the definition of good wedding or engagement photographs? You know, how, do, how can we create new channels? Are, are we guilty of sort of affirmation bias? I'm only looking at I'm only listening to what I already know I like.
0: Yes, I, and I'm specifically talking to uh, this new generation of of younger wedding photographers who I'm keyed into, and I, I meet at workshops and things, and you know they are asking for permission to experiment and to break rules, but the wedding industry in particular loves to kind of kill cur- uh, creativity. It loves to keep everything in a. In a narrow bandwidth so you know from my little corner uh, as a, a veteran i'm trying to say blow the doors off i mean why not <laughs> <laughs> why why play it safe at somebody's wedding when you can actually get people to trust you and then make impactful images and i i've realized i what a freedom i had when i first started that there were no standards in wedding photography that it was just all kind of mediocre. So to be part of that thing uh, of reinventing a genre in New York at a certain moment gives me a responsibility to you know kick the kids into shape
1: as well. Do Do you ever feel like you missed it? Do you, do you ever go to a wedding and it just didn't all come together? And if so, what is their name? In- <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know. It's funny it's an eight hour assignment, and uh-huh. a lot of the magazine work I had would be two hours assignment, so I'd never felt pressure at weddings it's more it's a lot of clients don't know how good the pictures could have been if they weren't as good as they could have been you know it's mm-hmm. I know the pictures that I miss, or you know the wedding yesterday was it was pouring rain the whole day, so it kind oh, of okay, limited babe. us a lot. <laughs> But you know, hopefully I got some good rain pictures and leaned into the rain, but it was it was difficult
1: i well difficult yes, but i I imagine knowing your work these are going to be spectacular pictures do you, but, but do you ever get people I'm looking at the cover of the book right here to you know to my left. do you ever get someone looking at it going well, that's not of focus um
0: yeah those people <laughs> i i think i <laughs> i'm I think I'm unsubtle enough to weed those people out right away and so there's plenty of there's, there's plenty of other photographers, and and I, that's something I learned a long time ago as well. That there's a right photographer for every wedding, and there's right you know it's a it's a it's a flooded market, and but it's also an incredibly supportive community compared to the ad world or the or the editorial world. I hang out with I'll I'll meet with random wedding photographers in New York for lunch because we have a shared experience, and it's Uh, It's almost like we're circus people, that we um, it attracts a certain kind of personality who likes chaos and theater, and uh, we all come together for a weekend and set up a tent and then (laughs) put on a show, and then Monday morning it's all gone.
1: You know, one one more thing about your blog that I really found entertaining, um, and and I don't want the answer here, uh, is, you know, you say weddings make you a better commercial photographer. Being a commercial photographer makes you better at weddings. And then you have this, this list, this series of images. And you say, some of these are real moments and some were orchestrated. Then you say, can you tell? And of course, I, I don't want to know the answer. And I've got my own guesses. And I'm, you know, pretty assured most of my guesses are going to be wrong. Um, <laughs> but... I, I, I love the, just the question of can, can you tell the difference? And, and, and what are the clues that, that make you tell the difference uh, and stuff? And it, it was a wonderful, you know, like reading a story. You know, just going through the chapter here, you know, trying to figure out what's going to happen. The images all the way through the blog, all the way through the website are, um, as, as you already know, I, I think just remarkable images. A couple other questions, though. Color versus black and white. You've you've got a lot of both. How do you make that distinction, image by image?
0: It, it really is a gut decision. With you know, I'm shooting more digital these days. I'll shoot probably thirty percent, forty percent digital. Usually, when the light goes down, I switch to digital. But the when I'm shooting film, I have a bag with color on the left and black and white on the right, and I'll I'll grab. Depending on, there's something inside me that tells me which way to go. And it's, I think I like to give people the sense of the color of the day. But then when I'm really editing afterwards, the black and white just just floats to the top across the board.
1: It, so the black and white's closer to your own sensibility, your own heart?
0: Yeah. And I think when we look at color photographs, we make unconscious connections. We say, oh, that looks like, that's so... 2010 or that's there's some color temperature that reveals something emotionally to mm. us. And I don't think I have as developed a color palette as some photographers. And so I don't feel as naturally drawn to them, but, but the black and white, I I mean, i S I've switched all my digital cameras to have black and white screen. So I'm just, I'm looking in black and white. Uh, and that's you know, really I
1: I have heard of people doing that, and I frankly great. don't have the courage.
0: It's um, great.
1: <laughs> well, man, no, because I'm the guy that sits there in light rooms clicking back and forth between black and white and color, black and white and color. You know, but trying it, to make it, a decision.
0: It only changes how you view. It's only the viewfinder. Yeah. So no,
1: I know, I know that, but <laughs> I want to I, I want to be able to see it in I see. color. I think I because I just I just haven't got the courage to not see it that way yet. So you're an inspiration. Um, <laughs> to do that you're not the first but god i hope to live up to that someday i gotta ask a question only because of something you said earlier you got a picture of what one two three four seven chairs um sitting out on a lawn with a little bouquet of flowers on them is this an homage to your old teacher
0: no oh that's so interesting <laughs> i love that no that's uh, that was a pandemic there's only two pictures from the pandemic and that was one of them it was just oh really yeah why why only
1: two from the whole pandemic
0: those were the only maybe there's actually the last picture of the the bride's dress going into the doorway is one Mm -hmm. as well and there's one only one with a mask but those were just the three strongest pictures that uh, you know kind of the rule for our edit of the book was that the, the photograph had to stand up on its own as a photograph and not be tied to some moment or something and Documentary-wise, it just had to. I I did love the essence of those uh, the empty chairs. I thought that was a was a kind of a tender entrance to the book as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe it was subconsciously the chairness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, th- there is something compelling when, when you arrive at an outdoor wedding. You know, before anybody's sitting down, you just see the chairs there. Um, so so much potential in, in that scene. that that it is always worth, always worth capturing. You did something on your website that I found, again, completely surprising and in the same moment, completely true. You make a nod towards cinematographers. You make a nod toward motion picture. Why?
0: I would say uh, I'm influenced in order of uh, importance. Definitely cinematography would be first, then short stories, then novels, then and, and paintings are way down at the bottom. I'd never had much connection with painters as opposed to writers and the my list of I don't remember whether I called it I used to call that list that you have to have seen these movies to be really good friends with me or something like that <laughs> 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 um, but I you know there were certain films that that just show me light and composition and I mean i i I literally I could see a triple feature, no problem. Um, well, so, give,
1: give me an example. What would be towards the top of your list? I mean, even going back to
0: uh, early days of, of uh, film history class in college was Fritz Lang and uh, M for Murder, the, with Peter Laurie, Just seeing that, how to make a movie almost all in the dark with with uh, the emotional control of that Cinematography and that director, that uh, you know, it's a thriller and it's kind of a uh, a very creepy movie about a pedophile, but it's exquisite to watch. So how do you, how does a director do those two things at once? And and I also remember uh, when I first saw Bicycle Thief, an Italian film post war you know, it was when I was learning photography history and how close it was to Carter Bresson's compositions. And I I think that cinematography and films are within reach for photographers. And, you know, you, you you all of a sudden realize you have the power within your frame to to control the viewer. And, uh, that's a responsibility.
1: Is that where you got your early lessons in composition and motion?
0: I think so. I, I, uh, it was never very formal but i mm-hmm. think i was a terrible student in high school and college uh, except i learned a lot by osmosis so i would go to every every foreign film i could and and when i moved to new york in the late 80s it was a glorious time for those small 5 dollar cinemas showing film festivals all the time so i really i just absorbed it all and uh, without doing it too formally. So it's, it's all inside yeah. me.
1: I, I remember when I was in graduate school in the 80s, there was a textbook. This was in a course I didn't even want to take. This was some requirement. There was a textbook called How to Read a Film. Yes. And it was essentially stills from classic movies that they just unpacked the stills, you know, upside down, left and right. And it was a brilliant book for me at, at that time. I you know, if I were to look at it now, I might have a different opinion. But for me at that moment, and I wasn't thinking of photography at the time, but it taught me how to look at um, what's inside a frame and light and uh, implication. But,
0: well, you know, I had one one moment at Steven Spielberg's daughter's wedding many years ago when I, I felt like I was in way over my head, but I was just just shooting away. And there was uh, some great people dancing on the dance floor. And I was photographing this man and this woman. And the light was incredible. And all of a sudden, he he, he just basically grabbed my camera. And said, "Can I take a few shots?" And I said, "Sure." And uh, you know, the next day I realized <laughs> it, it was Janusz uh, Kaminski who was Spielberg's cinematographer. Oh <laughs> and my! To, and to watch him shoot and to watch him, what he was seeing was, you know, it was like a semester of film school, basically, because uh, he was feeling. What, fe- what was
1: he doing different?
0: He was. He wasn't thinking he was just feeling it flowing it. So I think I was probably stuck at that moment, didn't know what to do. And, but I just loved the instinctive thing. He said, just give me that. You don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Get out of the way,
1: pal. Uh, Oh man. You, You know, one of the things about just feeling it though, just you know, going with the flow. You know, it's like jazz improv. It sounds effortless, but it's the result of decades of discipline. You know, decades of learning the craft. Is is there something missing? Do you think just in, in the foundations with a lot of people that they're not up to up to improv yet, or do you think people are a little just still scared of branching off and going exploring? Uh,
0: that's a super important question, and it's and I recognize it when I teach and talk about this. That it sounds all you know lovely and fun just to have a couple of drinks go shoot some pictures and <laughs> have a great time <laughs> um, but but you're absolutely right that the foundational elements I, i've been working on for literally decades so but i think that uh, there is a mindset that a lot of photographers are they're handcuffing themselves they're afraid of disappointing somebody they're worried about the client more than their own artistic soul and i think that's the best message i can give to people that i'm trying i'm basically trying to surprise myself and please myself with an image that i haven't seen before so if i if i see a safe shot i'm gonna slap myself say don't Go for the easy one. What else can you do? How can you reinvent this moment, or how can you make it truer? So I, th- I think it's a mental discipline as much as anything. And the best advice I've been able to give people is to find a wedding to do for free as a kind of cleansing uh, an unlearning uh, exercise. So you know, do a friend, a, f- a cousin's wedding, or a friend, or somebody deserving of your talents and. Go to somewhere where you don't have this uh, lingering fear of disappointing a, a client or the mother of the bride, and so I, I have a large family and I, I I have a lot of cousins to weddings to do, and it's always great just to go for fun and reset.
1: I'm digging it because, I mean, the distinction you made a few moments ago of bringing a photographer to the wedding instead of hiring a wedding photographer speaks volumes towards how you approach the subject. John, I admire your work. This is tremendous. I feel just as honored as I can be uh, to have this conversation. Thank you very much.
0: Scott, that was really a pleasure. And I loved your questions and the conversation. Thanks.
1: (laughs) Thank you much. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Frames, because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.